Feelings. Hello. Hi. And welcome to Free, Free of Fear, Fear, Full of Joy. Yay. <laughs> All right. We're back again. Or never before for some of you. <laughs> um, I'm Jahari. I'm Sarah. And we're a dynamic duo. <laughs> anyway, um, today we'd like to talk about something that probably a lot of you have dealt with or will deal with in life, and that is... Haters gonna hate. That's right. Toxic friendships. Um, I've dealt with this a lot um, because I inherently am a fixer. I want to fix people. I want to help. You know, I have always been like that because of... I was just raised, trained to think about everyone else but myself. You, know? you were only trained that way because I believe I was as well. <laughs> so I never really thought about what I got out of a friendship. It was always about, oh, you know, what can I do for you? And what can I do for you? And what can I do for you? And so I ended up gathering a bunch of very needy people that needed me. And my gratification was the fact that I was needed. And after decades of making the same thing happen over and over again, I realized, holy crap, I feel very empty. I'm always in situations where I'm not really having fun, but I think I am because I'm with my friends, but I'm not. I'm in this cycle or was in this cycle where I constantly felt like an object and the needy people only needed me around to facilitate their good time and facilitate their happiness. And then I realized one day as I'm sitting there, like everything's moving around me and I'm not really having a good time. Mm. I'm in a scenario where I'm not really having a good time. What about you, Sarah? Do you ever feel like that? You probably had amazing friendships forever. <laughs> I believe at, a, <laughs> at an early age, long ago, land far, far away. <laughs> when I was raised as a wee one, very small, but now I'm taller, just so we're clear. A lot taller? A lot taller. <laughs> You're a lot taller. The exact words my mom said, you seem to have friends that are troubled. <laughs> <laughs> my mom like, always said to me, um, she's a mess. You need to like stop being friends with her. And then, see, if my yeah. mom said that, guess what I would do? I would still be friends with her. I did. I did. I'd be mm -hmm. like, you don't know, mom. You don't know. You don't understand. You don't understand. Like, we are friends. Friends to the end. And she was right. Every fucking time. So was that in fourth grade for you, too, or? <laughs> for me, that was just a year ago. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Like, she says it, said it to me constantly, like, why are you friends with that bitch? My mother doesn't cuss, so I'm 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 exaggerating. So she yeah. would say, "Young lady." <laughs> yes, she would be like, you know, Jahari, like she would nail it every time. She'd say, "Like, oh, this person is just a watcher. They just want to see what you do and hang on as you as your meteor rises, as your life changes." You know, because I tended to gravitate towards people who never wanted to change, never wanted to change. So. Um, I was always changing and trying to pull people along with me to change and they didn't want to, they wanted to be around and, and, you know, dip their toes into things that I wanted to do, but they just wanted to be around it. They didn't want anything else except for to just be close to 
things that they were considering and not really wanting anything different. And so I spent a lot of time trying to get them, pull them into something they didn't really want to do. And why? Because I was trying to make friends who really weren't going to expand their horizons or open their minds or, or change in any way. Like they're happy in their little box, happy. And I was the problem. I was the irritant because I wanted more, because I wanted to see more, because I wanted to do more, because I wanted more for my life. I was the fucking problem. And then I realized you were also the solution. <laughs> the solution was for me to no longer try to put someone else's needs before my own and make my, my own self happy that way, you know, far less friends, but you know, my circle got smaller and stronger. So I'm very, very happy about that. But, you know, really, honestly, in the last like two years, have I got gotten to that because you know you have this whole thing where you're like we've been friends for 20 years blah 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 blah, blah but has Legacy. it really been a good friendship <laughs> or did you try to make your going out friends your best friends you know they were fun in the club but are they really there for you in real life probably not so you know prime example yes. so when we're talking about being in a box are we talking about elementary school are we talking about middle school are we talking about high school are we talking about college are we talking about all the institutions that you've been involved i with? would say for me it's been every single institution i've had shitty friends forever you know i that sounds like a song shitty friends forever <laughs> we should make 80s. a song yeah and for sure like it's called shitty friends yeah. but i i have i've had you know I've had some friends that I stayed friends with, but they've done really shitty things to me, you know? And I've, um, I've overlooked it or just stayed quiet about it without addressing it. But I'm at the point right now where I just am like, eh. You know, I, if they ask me about it, I'm gonna tell them how shitty they were or continue to be. And uh, hmm. that's just where I'm at right now. Um, I am doing my own work. I can't just say that it's other people, you know, I, like I said, I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. I want to, you know, just orchestrate everything. You know, you can call that controlling. Maybe it's controlling. I'm not really fucking sure. You can ask my kids. They probably think I'm a controlling nightmare and, um, you know, Hey, whatever. So what's a prime example in high school that occurred for you? Well, in high school, I did have two girlfriends that befriended me just so they could date my boyfriends and then uh, did it behind my back, ew. you know, and wait, that's against girl code. I don't think they cared. Oh. <laughs> I don't think they gave a girl shit. Girl code's a thing. Is I it still? I don't know. I don't think when I was in high school, that was a thing. Like mm -hmm. women were still hating on women mm -hmm. when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. They weren't, um, they weren't like, yeah, girls forever. It was like, fuck you, bitch. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna take what's mine or what I want from you. Yeah. And I was really, really naive. And I really just thought people um, could, were good. But I didn't realize that a lot of people were just bags of dicks, you know, like. <laughs> just all the bags of just dicks. Just all bags of dicks. Well, nowadays, kids have to face TikTok and they also have to face social media. And then what's the other platform that we just recently learned about? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, crickets. Shit. Crickets. I don't 
like, no. But kids are bullying on those types of platforms. So I think the oh. whole, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what those are, but I've seen some shit on TikTok and mm. I've been like, you know, I, I look at it and, and I think now I'm just going to have to come in and like stitch and be like, you're, you're on the wrong shit, girl. You're mm. on the wrong shit. Like mm -hmm. you focus on the wrong shit. Like don't be mad at him. And don't be mad at her. Be, mad, be at, mad at yourself. Be mad at yourself. Self-deprecate like everybody else. Not self-deprecate, but like, <laughs> damn. Like, did you, you like, because a lot of us, we see the red flags are like right here, like this. Hello, red flag, red flag, like right there. Then and, it almost turns purple. It's confusing. <laughs> and and everybody tell you, everybody try to get you to, to, to listen, but you're like, nah, I know. Okay, so everybody's wrong? Everybody's wrong. Yes. I mean, if you operate your life like that, you'll be much happier if you just believe everyone is wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. saying believe everyone. I'm just saying that, like, if you do have loyal friends, if you do, if you do have loyal friends and they come to you and say, hey, girl, I just saw this. Like, instead of getting all emotional and, like, running off and trying to confront him, like, be smart. Trap him. Yes. <laughs> or anyone else. It's not just, it's not a gender specific. It's, you know, if it's a friend being doing shitty stuff, circle the wagons and find out for yourself, you know, without doing a whole bunch of toxic shit. Mm -mm. No, because um, pouring mud into dirty water only makes muddy, dirty water. Okay. <laughs> it's shitty. It's shitty water. It's shitty. It's shitty water. It's sewer water. It's I get sewer it. I get water. it. So I'm here for metaphor and analogies only, just so we're clear. <laughs> Lies. Lies. Um, I just want to say that, you know, meeting you the way that we met and we just had an instant connection that's just been amazing. So I would think that that was part of my journey into realizing that the friends that I had because of, and not that loyalty isn't a huge thing, it is. Um, but um, I just realized that friendship shouldn't be one-sided. Mm -mm. I was on the, the end of like giving and doing and being and everything. And I was in this vacuum of people who wanted me to keep doing and being and for them. So I didn't have any more grace or patience or, or understanding for the people that lived in my house because everyone outside had wanted my attention every day, all day. To fix things. To fix things, mm -hmm. to listen. But were they really listening to me? Were they really trying to give me advice that would, that was for me or they, were they just giving me some bullshit because they wanted to get back to talking about them? It's the, it's, mm -hmm. it's B, mm -hmm. not A. So I'm just saying that um, uh, the way to go, what way would you go about dealing with that kind of thing? I don't think that you've had, did you deal with that in like elementary school or high school or anything like that? Of course I did. But I also learned to keep my head down low because I was little, remember? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> this one was bullied a lot. Really? But then I learned how to punch really well because I had two, I have two older brothers. Uh -huh. But aside from that, um, I always had close friends and um, I would find myself in kind of a trio situation 
where one friend would pin the other friend against me and or the other way. So that was like the first introduction of a trio toxic relationship. Right. And this is in high school? No, that was like 12 years old. Oh, junior high. Junior high fucking Oh, sucks. God, yeah. Like junior when you high. love them and you hate them. every minute I was Ugh. bullied terribly in junior high. Um, I went to a school where there weren't very many African-American kids and the ones that were there, we were completely different. Like mm -hmm. I was a suburban kid. They were not. Some of them were, but they just thought I was weird, mm -hmm. you know, and my mom worked at the school, so that wasn't helping. Yeah. And I did spend most of my seventh grade year hiding in the girls' bathroom. Yeah. I think that's I accurate. Yeah. I did. Or I would hide myself behind really awesome outfits. <laughs> For me, it didn't matter. My mom chose all my outfits and picked all my, you know, did my hair and everything. I was a complete, I was a band geek. Yeah. I was, you know, um, you know, the last to get picked on any team. I, you know, friends were never really loyal. They'd throw me under the bus any chance they got. Mm -hmm. um, and that was all because I just didn't, I really didn't have a real confidence mm. in me. And there was no, no one saying, you know, the era that I grew up in. There was mm -hmm. no one like, you're great. You're wonderful. You're doing great. It was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get back out there. <laughs> but now you know why we get along because we're both real weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Because I found myself hiding behind being weird and finding this incessant need to reinvent myself every mm -hmm. time, every Back to school week, I had like a new hair dye, hairdo. So I, that when I was, um, I think I was like tw 11 going on 12, I remember doing the comb over before it was a thing, everyone. This, okay, okay. So you take some back hair and you pull it forward. Bam, you have, you have bangs. You okay. I was all about it, but it's not functional in any way, shape, or form. You right. can't move. Well, if the wind blows. Yeah, <laughs> well, then that's when you have a big ass clip right here. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got a clip. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. But that was just one. And then I would, I still was that girl that wanted to go outside and play when she got home from school. And there was a transition when my cooler friends were going to the country club. Mm. I still feel weird about saying that because I never got into any of that. I was mm. like, um, am I not going to use my bike and bat wings to fly right now? Because <laughs> that was real. Did that. Really did do that. Yeah. But um, but no, I just found like I, I gravitated to friends that were a little bit more carefree. Yeah. And then the ones that were dramatic, I kind of let them have it. And I kind of realized that was probably like not my best suit. But also when you're a child, you're just going to say what you need to say. <laughs> you know, I was never allowed to say what I needed to say at home or anywhere else. Mm. Like everything was very um, and that kind of contributed to the fact that I never was able to truly be confrontational with anyone because I was afraid of not being liked, being liked. Mm -hmm. And that was something that carried with me for a long time mm -hmm. until I realized like, why the fuck do I care if they like me? I, I, I don't really like them, you know? Mm -hmm. And that happened like in high school, of course, but you know, all that aside, like all of that still translates into like when you're an adult, like you take all that fucking trauma and baggage with you. It's still you, just an older version. It's still me, <laughs> but an older version. And what I found is, is that in an older way, I was still doing the same thing. Yeah. I was still, you know, making myself smaller so other people could feel bigger. Yeah. I was still trying to do things or hang out places that other people thought were fun, 
But I was sitting there like, this is so whack. Or, you know, doing something that I had done in my 20s that they were just discovering now. And I was like, I'm so over this. Like, can we do something grown? Like, or are we just going to keep doing the same shit over and over again? Whew. But I, I did it, you know, as a, as a friend and trying to just go along. But then I started realizing when I suggested something, it was like a whole issue. And then it was all on me to plan it. And it was all on me to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And then when I would spend all the time making it happen, then some asshole or assholes would come and be like, well, let me just double check what you're talking about. It's like, bitch, you ain't never been nowhere. And you're trying to yeah. act like you know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. You, you and, and no knock to anybody who wants to start traveling. And, but listen to your friend who's traveled. Listen to your friend who's been somewhere. Like, just defer. Stop Stop trying. Stop trying. She's joking herself. Stop, stop trying that. to always be in control. Mm -hmm. Just, or and here's the thing: like, take some initiative, and also show that friend that you're fucking grateful for the work that they did to make something happen. Because mm -hmm. that's the one thing that I was sick of. I was sick of you know, in the midst of me and like all the things I have going on in my world. Mm -hmm like stopping and planning something for a friend's birthday or a baby shower or, or whatever, and then really getting no acknowledgement, not during the party, before the party, after the party, during the vacation, you know, and then not only that, acting like a fucking ass while we're there. So I was like, okay. After a sequence of those things, I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. And what's interesting from an outside perspective, I actually witnessed that over the last few years and I yeah. was very aware. And that's yes. why I always, not to say that I'm a wonderful friend because I have my problems. <laughs> We're going to get my best friend in a second. <laughs> but I just really, um, one of my dearest friends taught me that to show your appreciation is really simple. It's just in just kind kindness and words. And if there's something special that I know you would really appreciate to go out, not even out of my way, it's like reflexive to do it, it's yeah. reflexive. Yeah. And a lot of people unfortunately just have a lot of atrophied um, gratitude muscles. <laughs> or they've never been grateful to anyone but themselves. Yeah, and then, but, uh, but this is a good example. So I invited my best friend out to a very well-known Broadway production. It was wonderful. Ten Tony Awards. You may be familiar with it. Moulin Rouge. Um, but we had such a blast. And it was so nostalgic. It truly was. But I was crying the entire time. And she was laughing at me crying. <laughs> so, and we got to the point where it was like dead silent. And I was like. <laughs> and she's like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had to be there. But I mean, come on now. That if you're familiar with the story, it's very melodramatic. But the the actual production, it takes you to a whole nother level. Like you, you thought that you were there. It's like way past that point. But 
then no and then we kind of reconnected because she's in school right now we're both busy but we've always kind of had an ebb and flow relationship where when we're at our lowest we reach out but now we're at this better balance where we're now just seeing each other a little bit more yeah. like often and we're making plans at least once a month and we actually we I believe we talked about that did we talk about that I think we did. Yeah. But it was kind of one of those things where there's no pressure, but let's try to make it. Because I've known her for, oh gosh, since 2001. So 21 yeah. years. Right. I mean, she's been my maid of honor twice. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to get married if I if I wasn't married. Like, And we always talk about growing old together and like breaking our hips together and walking around with walkers together. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna. I don't know. We're just very active. We're active women. You know. Okay. So it's just kind of what's gonna happen? Okay. I wasn't but sure if it was she like was a always the. Pact. I know, but it was a pact. It is a pact forever. Okay. Ride or die. Ride or die. Right. But she um, was always the choir director. I don't know if you want to use that as a term or like the showman or the one yeah. that was always organizing. Right. And um. I think like maybe for the last six years, we would always go to this really delicious Italian restaurant with all of our high school, like best friends, like our best, best friend group, like, it's, you know, maybe four women and then their significant others. And it was just always a good time. But unfortunately, times have changed. Um, families have enlarged timing and trying to get that all organized. Getting is very babysitters. Difficult. Exactly. Work exactly. in the morning. Mm -hmm. The baby's sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like there's a hankering to want to rekindle that, but just to do it in the way where all the families can come together. But she was the one that always organized that. And I have a feeling that that she kind of had a breaking point where she was just like, why am I always having right. to do this? And nobody else is doing it. Yeah. But it's also because she's very good at it. Like she. I get it. I'm really good at it. Yeah. Like she knows how to read. Like I'm she goes. I'm really, really good at it. Through all the Yelp but reviews. I would love if somebody else said, hey, you know what? Show me how you do it so I can do it this time mm -hmm. you know well but here's the other side of that coin when someone does try to do it to make sure that the choir director isn't disappointed with the results yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what can kind of make people feel a little tentative and a little nervous because like we would go to Vegas and she would have all the in I would never have the in to go to like the clubs like I do not no I mean come on <laughs> I'd be like is it storybook time like <laughs> so I mean it's just the way she hustles all it's the, the energy is, is that all you have it's to rare. do for the choir director, and my husband calls me the ringleader of fun. Ringleader. That's that's what I was. I'm the ringleader of fun. I try to find. I'm the ringleader of fun wherever we go. Mm -hmm. I'm the ringleader of fun. Okay, so all you have to do is say like, "Hey, like, let's talk about what you want to do," and I'll lay the plan out, mm -hmm. and you'll say, "Okay, well then, I'll call." the MGM and I'll get the tickets instead of like making me get the tickets and me book the rooms and, and me hire the oh, cars. Yeah. And all. Spread That's the what load. I'm saying. Like spread yeah. the load. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is step up and say, yes. The thing is, is that maybe I also need to get better at delegating within that moment, but it is, it is time sensitive and I don't have time for you. And we as a group don't have time for you to like be like, oh, I didn't do it today. Nah, bitch, that's not what I asked. Mm -hmm. You said you wanted to help me. Mm -hmm. So do it. So if I say, please, could you help me with, you know, getting this together, talk to this person, say this, this and this. But you I call you back a week later and you haven't done it. 
then you just, uh, all of that was just bullshit. Mm -hmm. You just wanted to pretend like you're helping me. And I have dealt with that many times. You know, my best friend and I, we fell out over this type of thing. We fell out. And I just flat out told her, I don't feel like I have a best friend because mm -hmm. I don't get the same kind of love that I give you. I don't. And she was offended by it. And I said, I'm sorry. Like, I just need space from you. I can't do this anymore. Like you have been, you are ungrateful. You are ungrateful. You are unappreciative. You are, you know, I love you like a sister again to the dirt. That's what we always say to the mm -hmm. dirt. We're going in the dirt together. Yes. Um, but she was pissed at me because she couldn't believe that I felt like that. It wasn't until a friend of hers did the exact same thing to her. And she, she got it. She got it. Yep. And she sent me the most beautiful email. I mean, I was on vacation and I was just crying as I read this email because she finally saw me. She finally was like, if I have been doing this to you, I am an ass. I am such a bitch. I can't believe that I did this to you because I can't believe that I thought talking to you like this was funny. It's not, it's hurtful. It's, it's annoying. It's pissing me off. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. I hope that we can get past this. And that meant more to me than anything. Mm -hmm. She and I have rectified our relationship. I am a little mouthy now. Like now when she's pissing me off, I just tell her like, you're being an ass, yeah. you know, and she's not used to that. She's not used to me just popping off on her and saying, like, I'm not fucking dealing with that anymore because we're not going back to that same old codependent bullshit. No, because you, know? you want to grow forward, not back. <laughs> right. So we've come to a really great place and we really have an understanding. And, you know, we've known each other several decades and um, I, I love her so much. Mm -hmm. And this is so much better for both of us. And can we have a best friend episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's a nut. We can give him the mic to be like, have oh at it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll have to have wine on set. Yeah. yeah, but mine would be like, remember when I told you, Sarah, to keep my business out of your mouth? I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? I did. My best friend. Oh, I bet she did. She's right. <laughs> and from that point on, I was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, she told you. But it's because she's very complex, and I really just wanted to support her by getting as much knowledge as possible from other life experiences to move forward to help her. Oh, I see. That was the the political <laughs> statement. I see. I yeah. see. Ha <laughs> ha. I just want to say that like um all of that is great but I I I can't see it. But <laughs> But back to the best friends episode that we may or may not have cuz a lot of times when we come up with ideas while we're in the podcast recording process we forget them. <laughs> until we review them again at a later date <laughs> right right but saying that all to say going back into time in healing relationships that are no longer worth it that's okay too yeah there's there are a couple of people that I right now I I don't know if I will be heard Mm -hmm. because they're so very stuck in believing that they never do anything wrong or they give you an apology. And then less than a couple months later, they're rescinding that apology while you're talking to them. And I was like, okay, see now why 
did I even think that you just want me back? So I, again, I can be the light. You can listen to me. I can listen to you. And we go right back into the same bullshit, mm -hmm. you know, where you're objectifying me and using me and, you know, want my knowledge, want my, you know, want my, you know, my patience, my grace, my understanding. And you still talk to me, say slick things, you know, if someone else compliments me, you won't come in and undermine it. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff like that that's happening. But what two things do you think that women can do to help transition out of being a fixer and, and become a listener? I can only speak from my own experience with that. <laughs> Number one, therapy. <laughs> yes. Stop being Everybody. afraid of a therapist, okay? Therapist and right now like I'm just going to speak to the black woman in the room, okay? Don't be afraid to go talk to someone. It's not like your grandma said, oh, you telling other people's business because they're, they're not. It is the only way that you are going to heal. It's the only way that you're going to be able to deal with the shit that not only you inherited, but the shit that came while you've been out there in the world. You, you, you feel me? Mm -hmm. Like, cause you know, as black people, we have a problem <laughs> with wanting to get help. We don't, we don't want to get help. And um, that's a mistake. That is a huge mistake because we all live in these, you know, pods of, you know, narcissism and cultural, you know, generational curses and things like that. So I'm speaking to all of the, you know, my sisters out there, go get some help. All right. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is if you, <laughs> there's this video by Usher and I can't even remember what it is, but there he's, everybody is moving really super fast we in the club. It. Yeah. Everyone's, but he's moving very, very slow. And he's like looking around. If you start feeling like everything around you is like a carnival and you're just sitting in the middle of it, you are not having fun. You are not with people you trust. You are not with people you are happy with. You are not. Like you have to take a step back and, and look at that situation and figure out why it is you feel like that. Mm -hmm. Is it because you feel, is it because you feel um, like you've known them a long time and you're comfortable in that and you don't want to leave your comfort zone? Is it because their family because family can be just as toxic. That's a whole nother episode. Um, and you just want to, to just get out of there. Um, but the things that I would say at that moment, you need to stop and take stock of where you are in, in life and where those other people are in life. And if at any point you feel like they are trying to diminish your successes or play down any of your accomplishments or even if it's something as small as weight loss or getting a new job or you know or getting a new car and they're just like yeah okay that's cool and then they want to continue talking about themselves um, those are the ways that you find out that you are not in a space, you know, or you start just feeling drained every time you're around them. To fix that, again, therapy, 
And also just being real with yourself about how, how that person came into your life, how that person came into your life and what space, mind space were you in? Because for me, you know, there are friends that I've known since I was in my 20s and technically they didn't grow up with me. I grew up, they kind of stayed stagnant. You know, and then there are friends that I met when I was getting divorced. They still expect that like very wild, very like high revving, single mom, hustler bitch, <laughs> you know, can't stop, won't stop, five jobs, side hustle, doing all, they still expect that person, but I've transitioned past that, but they're still expecting that woman, mm -hmm. but I'm no longer her. So if you were with people that don't really want to see your change because they like who you were and not who you're becoming, move on, move on, sis. Um, I love people though. I'm super friendly, probably more friendly than I should. It drives my family nuts. Um, I just, I, I just, I'm not going to change that. Because mm -mm. guess what that's doing? What is it doing? It's spreading joy. It is. <laughs> and I love joy. Free of fear, full of joy, as usual. But um, those are some things that I would suggest. I, number one is, I will say that I always felt like I was on top of, you know, my psychological health, but it wasn't until like I just was stuck in this place where I was like, why do I keep having the same scenarios with friends? Why do I keep having the same thing happen? Why is it that I'm not being heard? Why do I feel empty in these friendships? And it wasn't until I went and sat down with the professional that I realized like, because I was never taught to love anything about myself. Everyone else was more important and everything else was more important than me. And so because of that, I felt like my only worth was to be needed. And so in being needed, I became a fixer to fix things, people, scenarios, everything. And I still struggle with that. It's, it could be it's so simple as someone in a restaurant, like having trouble getting the waiter's attention. I feel like at that moment, I need to help them. It's compulsive and it's not healthy. So I've realized that it's, trickles into every aspect of my life. So get some help. <laughs> and just because you've known them a long fucking time doesn't mean that they're good for you. Doesn't mean they're good for you. So you going forward, hearing all of my bullshit, You've always, I, I felt like from the moment I met you, you've always had really great friendships. I feel like you've had really, really great friendships. And I don't know if that's just because I'm an asshole. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't call, I didn't talk about any of my college buddies, but it's because I effing love them to this day. And although we've grown Well, good apart, for you. <laughs> I know, but they, they live in Seattle and Portland. And, I, you know, I always, it's on my to-do list to make it up there again. But, you know, COVID, whatever. But I'm um, not an excuse anymore come a year from now. So just so we're clear. Yeah. But um, I think that... I've learned to value myself because I did have such a mental health wellness issue. And, um, and then with my past, 
with having cancer, have having my first husband pass away from cancer, that I all that all that fun that happened in your twenties, I did it and I did it really well, but I also wasn't getting caught up with any bullshit. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't eventually trickle down into other aspects of my life. But um, I did find that therapy was absolutely valuable, and um, the tools that were the most beneficial for me was just to remember to be loving and compassionate to myself. Because if I can't do that for myself, how can I do that for others? Well, you learned that a lot earlier than I did. I tried. (laughs) You know, (laughs) growing up in a narcissistic environment, you tend to gravitate towards narcissistic people. Oh, no, don't worry. I have a bunch of narcissists in my life. (laughs) I'm surrounded by them. I was surrounded by them. And so I always gravitated to that type of person. I do private training, remember? (laughs) Just kidding. I love you all. I love you. Girl, that's a whole whole other thing. But I I just want to say that like, like um, being being very aware of myself and the flaws that I've had and can and work on them has given me a sense of, you know, relief and renewal and a happier outlook on my future. Yes, because I would not even be doing this or honestly I don't think that I would have met my current husband if I still had those negative people around me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say this, and this is how I'm going to close this out. And I'm sure Sarah has something else to say. I'm going to say this. If you don't let go of all the ties that bind you, something terrible, something hurtful is coming. But if you let go of all the negative ties that bind you, something wonderful is out there for you. So don't be bound by by things that you can overcome. Move forward, look forward. Okay? <laughs> I love you, darlings. <laughs> be free of fear and full of joy in everything that you do. Yeah? Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, here we go. Free, free of fear, fear, full of, of joy. joy. Free of fear, full of joy. Free of fear, full of joy. Bye, darlings. Stay unicorn. (laughs) And we're out. We're done. Omari, your mom.